I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's good to check in and really see if you are on track financially. And I believe there's two parts to this. Number one, the practical structural side. So we're talking about money. We're talking about potentially investments. We're talking about strategies. We might be talking about physical goals. And the other side of being on track financially could be all the soft emotional things like your confidence with money, how you react to different things about money, the stresses of money. So we're going to talk about that today. 20 or so things to make sure and to double check that you are on track financially. We can't do this episode without Sphere Home Loans. We are so pro-mortgage broker when it comes to everything to do with investing, buying your first home, refinancing, because a mortgage broker will present with you options that you won't get when you walk into one single bank or lender. They'll be able to have a look at your actual situation. You might be a part-time worker. You might be a shift worker. You might be casual. You might be contractual. A broker will be able to find an appropriate solution wherever you are in Australia. You do not have to have a broker where you live or where the property is. So thank you to Sphere Home Loans for getting behind My Millennial Money. If you do want to have a review of your current mortgage or perhaps chat about getting your first mortgage or your first investment property, just search Sphere Home Loans and they'll hook you up with everything you need to know when it comes to your home lending. My name's Glenn James. I'm joined today by Sarah Kelsey. You're listening to My Millennial Money. Let's get into it. Sarah, welcome to the Tuesday Extravaganza. Glenn, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to jump into this chat with you. Yeah, and if you feel that that voice is familiar, Sarah has been hosting our Thursday shows every other week, interviewing fun, curious, inspiring people. Mm. So it's uh, it's been great having you on board, Sarah. Oh, I've loved it. Honestly, like it's one of my biggest passions to talk to other people, full stop. Um, And having the opportunity on My Millennial Money has just been truly incredible. Well, we are thankful for... Yeah, all the hard work and your curious nature of interviewing, which is what we love. But today we're talking about the 20 signs that you're financially on track, physically, emotionally, all the alleys. So I think what we could probably do, you've got a list, I've got a list. I'm checking it once, I'm checking it twice. Mm -hmm. I'm going to find out if your list is naughty or nice. And I reckon we might go kind of, you do a point and I'll ask you about yours and then we kind of flip it. And what I want people to get out of this is have a listen to these points. Uh, We'll put a link in the show notes uh, for the points. We'll do an Instagram carousel post. So if you want the points actually written down, uh, just click the link in the show notes and it will take you to our Instagram. Uh, But you may not have all of these points. I certainly don't. Um, And this is why we do this podcast uh, to help me. Um, (laughs) But they're more like some of these are aspirational, right? Uh, But on balance, to be secure financially, to be financially on track, you'd really want to start to tick a lot of these points off. There are 20 points. It's not the list, it's a list. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So 
I want you to think about maybe one or two things that you can implement after today's episode uh, because it gets overwhelming to do it all at once. Uh, Listen to the podcast a couple of times if you need to. Uh, Sarah, what do you kind of hope that um, people can get out of this or what your view of your list and and what we Mm -hmm. talk about today is? I hope people leave this episode feeling somewhat empowered to make a change somewhere because we're talking about being financially on track. And like you were mentioning, that doesn't mean you have to have done all of these things because I think if you're on the journey to do any of these things, you're on the track. You might not have reached the next stop or every stop on the way, but you're on the track to get there. So your intentional um, desire to achieve any of these things is all that you need to start with. And hopefully these points can provide some inspiration for you to take action um, once you've left the potty and back into real life. So yeah, I'm excited. And I reckon like the fact that someone's listening to this, they're already ahead of the curve because if I look at my immediate uh, group chat of friends, right? There could be seven of us in that group chat and it's wild and it's out of control, but maybe there's only one of us in that whole group chat who listens to personal finance podcasts and that's mm-hmm. probably me. So within your circle of friends, the fact that you are dialed into this stuff you're probably already ahead of the curve. 100%. I was that friend, I feel. And (laughs) (laughs) it was always, you know, the questions about just the basics. And I think it's really good to be able to provide, if not the knowledge and the opinion, but just the resources to to help you and to provide that spark um, that can put you on to the next step. Yeah, totally. All right, Glenn, I'm keen to hear what your first point is. Well, this is, um, it's pretty boring. It's pretty basic. And we've kind of structured our points where they ratchet up from like, do this first if you haven't done anything. And that is, you've got to have an emergency fund because when stuff goes down and stuff will go down, you need to make sure that a minor financial inconvenience isn't a catastrophic event in your financial life. And we do that by having an emergency fund. The worst time to get debt is in an emergency because people say, oh, I've got a credit card for emergencies. I'm like, okay, so you're saying the worst time financially for you is to go into debt. Hmm, not sure about that. I know for me, the worst time financially is not to go into debt. So we have to start working towards an emergency fund If you don't have an emergency fund at the moment, I would probably start by saying, let's get $1,000 in a separate account. And then I'd probably say, if you are paying off consumer debt, put all that on minimum payments, get to $1,000 or $2,000 emergency fund first, then go and focus and smash that consumer debt, then swing back and have an emergency fund. And we really want to target, I don't know, three to six months of your expenses only in that emergency fund. So that's my first point get an emergency fund. A massive on emergency funds. And I think money can be stressful as is just trying to sort it out generally in your everyday life, let alone when there's an element of urgency. So having that emergency fund there is going to help remove just that excess stress that is going to come along with any urgent event. Um, But something else that is really important to me is your why. My favorite book is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. So it's no surprise that this is my number one thing on here. Uh, But it's just having that clarity over your priorities and your why for saving. I think Mm -hmm. I've had so many conversations with people about money ever since, you know, talking on podcasts, etc. And often people don't know where to start. 
And the problem with not knowing where to start is that you can't pick a first step if you don't know what direction you want to head in. And it becomes so much easier to make decisions moving forward in every area of money, in every area in your life, to be honest. But, you know, what to invest in, what insurance to have, when you have that clarity over what matters to you and why money is important to you at all, because it's going to be different for so many of us. And I reckon if you don't have that why nailed, you're prone to distractions, you're prone to chop and change course, you're prone mm-hmm. to not sticking to that. Like Absolutely. It's just, you've got to have your, you know, your why bedrock in place. Mm, yeah, it keeps you grounded. Absolutely. Okay, my second point, again, sorry guys, it's really basic but so important. And it kind of goes back to my sound financial house. It's in my book, I don't page 10. I don't even know what page it's on, whatever. Um You've got to get your income and life insurance sorted. When the shat hits the fan, and it may do that, you need to make sure that you know, you've spent all this money investing in shares, in property. We've just got to make sure that if we have a financial hiccup in terms of a medical event, which stops us from working, that we've got our emergency fund to get us through short term, three to six months. Then after that, we outsource that risk to an insurance company to protect our income because everything we do in our financial life rises and falls on money walking in the door each week. So we have to have income insurance. If you've got a family, if you've got debt and dependents, you've got to get death cover at the very least because you've just got to make sure if you're not around or one spouse isn't around, it's not a financial train wreck they can grieve knowing that they can keep the house and that food will be on the table. And then secondary to that, we won't um, camp on it too long. Just get your will and estate plan sorted. You know, these are just kind of once-off things that you just have to sort out. And as long as I've got this microphone, I'll probably be talking about the financial foundations that you need to set up in your life. Hey, you might have insurance. You might have your will. Just think, when was the last time I actually looked at the policies? If it has been three or four years, Get it out. Get your will out. Have a look. And uh, yeah, we just want to make sure that's ticked off. What do you got for number two, Sarah? I just want to touch quickly on something you said as well, because Mm. I, this year, for the first time in my life, spoke to an insurance advisor and had that element of protection added into my life, which was new for me. And I guess I'd always had that mindset that a lot of people might have around what's unlikely I'm ever going to use it. I'm young. I'm healthy. I don't need it, et cetera, et cetera. And the insurance advisor said that exactly that's the point. Like you hope you'll never have to use it. And that's really stuck with me where I think like establishing what your priorities are and what is worth it to have is really important. What what could you possibly lose that is too big of a risk to take? Um, and hopefully you won't need it. And having that mindset, I think, helps you establish what's important and then helps you feel better about paying for it as well. So it doesn't just feel like this cost that's going to nothing. Um, it actually feels more of like an investment into your house. But anyway, my next one is you don't have the habit of using consumer debt. So I don't just mean you don't have consumer debt at all, because I think a lot of people, a lot of us use consumer debt or have used consumer debt and it's okay. We don't need to hate ourselves for doing that. Um, for but opening the afterpay. <laughs> But you shouldn't. But, you know, we've all opened the Afterpay account. Um, Have we, Sarah? Well. Have we? (laughs) Maybe not you, Glenn. I definitely definitely did. And I got out of that really quickly. Because what I noticed is that 
when you have a habit of like relying on consumer debt, and we're talking about purely consumer debt, not obviously mm. big debts that you need for other things. But when you get into this habit of relying on debt, um, it's so hard to get out of that again. Like it actually feels like the cycle that is almost impossible to remove yourself from. And I think the quicker you can establish a habit of paying things with cash or money you actually have available, that's when you'll find you start to feel so much more on top of things. And like you really have a, a handle on your money and you feel in control of it as well. I reckon like for the first time ever, maybe you've just thought of this after you've said that, like consumer debt means that I've purchased what I want without having to have that money there. And Mm. as a human habit, getting what you want anytime, that's a bad habit to break. Like you think about chocolate, you think about ice cream. I can't keep ice cream in my house because it's a bad habit that I get into and I always want it. And once I've been off it for a while, it's no big deal. So, mm. yeah, I reckon it's just that whole you've got to get out of the habit and make a decision that I don't use consumer debt anymore. 100%. Like don't hate yourself for doing it initially. Just use that as the motivation to build up a habit where you don't have to rely on it anymore. Mm. Mm. What's your next one, Glenn? My third point, your superannuation is set up correctly. So what do I mean by that? Well, first, I need you to know what your super fund is. I need you to log into the ATO portal, see if you've got multiple funds. We need to make sure that we've got one fund only. If possible, there might be some reasons where we may have more than one fund. Uh, So we just want to do an audit of our superannuation because you might not be investing in your own name at the moment, but as long as you've got a job, you're a long-term investor because your employer is paying 10.5%. 10.5%. Is it 10.5%? I forget. It's changing. Either, either way, round it to 10%. There's money going in your super account every single month. So it's your money. You need to make sure it's set up correctly. You've got control over that money. So one of the things that we need to do is make sure you're in the right investor profile. A lot of superannuation funds will have pre-mixed options. Um, I would hypothesize that if you're under 50 or under 45, you wouldn't want anything less than a growth model because the money can't be touched for 20 years. So why are we investing in conservative? Um, You need to also check that the beneficiary is named. So who are you leaving your super to if you were to die prematurely? Because superannuation, it doesn't form part of your will. It forms part of your broader estate plan. So you could have a will, right, that said, hey, peeps, I've got a spouse, I've got kids, I want everything in my will to go to them. That's awesome, but your super isn't included in that estate pool. You've got to elect with the super fund directly who you want that money to go to um, because if you don't, the trustee of your super money will use their discretion of where the money is to go to, which means... It's something that you can control, so you should. How on earth did I forget super or KiwiSaver as we have in New Zealand? If you couldn't already tell, I don't know how thick my accent is, so you guys can tell me. It's about as thick as my IQ. <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah, I don't know how I could have forgotten this point because in New Zealand, uh, as I said, it's called KiwiSaver and it's so key to, like has, Glenn has said, be in the right investor profile, choose the correct fund, the 
create investment option for you, uh, for your goals, for your life projection, etc. And also in New Zealand, for all those Kiwi listeners out there, we have something called a government contribution where every year you get a top up from the government if you've contributed a minimum amount. And that's so important to make sure that you're doing that. Um, because I hesitate to say free money, but it's there for the taking if you are wanting to take it. So absolutely, I think mm. that's such a crucial point. Yeah, totally. Got to get on that Kiwi Saver. And hello to all our Kiwi listeners. There's a lot of you and I just want to say hi. And I will try and do a live podcast meetup. Maybe next year we'll try and organize it with Sarah and Sim and, and do a little meetup and record a live episode on your on your island. Keen. So what do you got for your third point? So I suppose the KiwiSaver Super conversation can kind of come into this, but my third point is that you have a system that you almost, in brackets, don't have to think about. And the reason I say almost is because we still want to be reassessing and um, looking at where our life is changing and how our finances might also change as a result of that. But to keep it as painless as possible, especially for those of us that uh, might struggle to stay consistent, we want to have a system that works for us in the background. Uh, so automatic payments, et cetera, things like that. Um, and I think when you have that understanding of some of my earlier points, you know, your priorities, you can start to build a system that works for you in the background. And when your money comes in, everything's taken care of. And so you know that all of your priorities are being met in the way you want them to, but also you have that amount that you can spend, you have that amount that you can use in whichever way you want without the guilt um, because you've already sorted all the rest of it. So no need to worry, you've already got it under control. And again, I think an important thing that will come throughout a lot of what we're talking about is that control piece and really feeling like you own your own financial situation because so often it seems like money can be this thing that is outside of our control. Like we can't do anything about it. It is just something that's happening to us. And I really think that having a system that meets all of your priorities can help you have that real control over your finances. It's akin to building a house. And I don't want to flog the analogy of a house again, because I do every single breathing day of my life, but spend the time to build it. Spend the time, spend a couple of weeks building your spending plan, building your budget, building your system. Once you put that time in, then we just do maintenance. So it could be every month I go in and just run my eyes over it. What's your system for your own spending plan maintenance, Sarah? So maintenance, I I think sometimes people will review their financial situation uh, quarterly, monthly, whatever. I tend to look at my financial situation as a whole every month uh, because that's how often I get paid typically is monthly. But I will also reassess when big life changes happen. Say I'm moving overseas or, I mean, I don't have kids. And I can't wait kind to move to Newcastle. I'm so excited to move to Newcastle. Yeah, really looking forward to that. It's going to be good. Uh, so yeah, any big changes like that, that's when I like to also stop, reassess, okay, what's changed in my life? Like, is, has the timeline of the events I previously attached to things like my investments change as a result? Does what I invest in need to change? You know, anything's like that. I like to sit down, review, and go from there with like a little bit of a touch up each month when I get paid. What about yourself? Yeah, mine is pretty much set and forget. Uh, my salary is like from because I pay myself uh, weekly 
uh, like mm. the rest of the team, that really hasn't changed for the last couple of years. Um, so the salary thing doesn't change. But what I do is um, every time, like getting really practical, throughout the year when a renewal comes in, so I've just had my um, boat insurance and my boat registration come in. So when these things come in yearly, I'll review that line item, update it because everything bloody goes up in price always, never comes down. Mm. So I'll be doing ad hoc tweaks along the year because my car insurance came in or one of the property insurances came in. So I've got to put that in as a line item and in the Glen James spending plan that everyone can download for free, what that does is it means that because I've spent more in that line item, I've got to either save less or review another line item. So yeah, I, I kind of do a more ad hoc because I just transfer my fixed amount to my weekly spending account. I've got my cash hub there where the bills come out of. And then just because it's a living, breathing Google sheet, uh, when annual renewal notices come in, I review um, or it's like, okay, I've just had this car insurance come in. Am I still happy with the price or do I review? So yeah, that's that's my system. But the the winning factor here is that we've both got a system that we stick to, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think as you can tell, Glenn and I have different, slightly different systems and that's going to be the same person to person. And that comes back to understanding yourself, what you value, your priorities, et cetera. Sorry to say it again, but it does um, often come back to those same foundations. And that will mean that when your friend says they review their money every single week and they review every expense and you know that doesn't work for you, you don't feel any type of way because you are fully aware of what is going to work in your personal situation. Totally. What's your number four, Glenn? Okay, next up. And this is a big one. You need to have your job and career on track. Or if it's not quite on track or you're unsure, you need to try and get clear with what direction you're going to take as soon as possible. Now, I know we all feel like, I don't know what I want to do when I get up. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up and I don't know what I want to do when I get up <laughs> most days. But like, so what do you want to do? And I would say there there is a time where it could take months to really distill that. But my kind of heart for you would be to not be in this limbo stage for maybe more than a year because we really want to be maximizing the time that we've got. The years move so fast. And in the book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money, the whole first chapter is really based on getting to the values bedrock. So if you're not happy with your life and your career and your job, can you go back to, is what I'm doing now in line with my values? I actually value autonomy and I'm in a job that's micromanaged. That's a wild example. Or I really value people. I'm in a cubicle all day. Like start to look at the values first and this book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money, will so help you do that and build a career you love so you can make more money. I'm going to say something that's going to sound like Glenn forced me and and told me to say this, but I was actually having a conversation with someone the other day who listens to my podcast and they were talking about career uh, and not knowing what they want to do next. And I said, let's just jump on a call and have a chat about it because it'll just be easier. And mm. I was talking about your book and, and recommending it, of course. And she's like, I've already got it. And I've worked out what my values are. I think I'm just a little bit lost on next step. So we ended up having a conversation about that. But she was saying how 
yeah, going through those exercises really helped her to understand what was important to her. And I think Mm. once you know what your values are, that is when the next decision not only becomes easier, but you become more sure of it. And that's actually really important because, you know, there's, there might be different jobs you could take, many different jobs in this world that you could do. And someone might tell you that's a great opportunity, but do you believe in yourself that that's a great opportunity? And I have definitely taken opportunities in life that I was told were amazing, but didn't align with me at all. And it never feels good. So at the end of the day, you want to 100% feel within yourself that the decision you're making is right. And I think that's personally my way of telling when my job and career is on track. I was just thinking, Sarah, as you said that, we are in a relationship with our career, right? And just think, if you're in a relationship with another person and it's not a right fit, are you wasting each other's emotional capacity? Mm. Now, the difference with your career is it's very unlikely that your career will dump you because if you're at a place that you don't love and you're still getting your work done, that business will just keep you there. But that business is causing you not to be emotionally available for the next big thing. So Mm. you owe it to yourself to get clear on your career and the relationship with your career. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting point because a job that, like I've had experiences taking on jobs that I felt, say it matched one of my values, which might have been autonomy over my schedule, but the work itself was incredibly emotionally draining or whatever. But I thought I would have more energy as a result of not working as much. But actually, I was completely neglecting another one of my values, which was meaningful work. And what I realized was that in my pursuit to have one thing, I was actually completely losing another. And that emotional capacity, like conversation is such a key one because you want to make sure that when you are making those decisions, you're aware of what's going to still give you energy for the times that you need it maybe to move on to the next opportunity. Mm. Kind of repeating in different words what you've just said, but Mm. completely agree. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm basically starting a relationship podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What have you got for your fourth point? I sort of touched on this at the end of my last one, but it's to have intentional dollars allocated to guilt-free spending. So many of us struggle with feeling guilty when we spend, you know, it just doesn't feel right in our bones. We're like, we couldn't possibly spend any dollars on ourselves. Some of us are pretty happy to do that, you know, treat yourself, et cetera, take into the max. Uh, But either way, no matter what kind of person you are, to feel comfortable within that, to feel guilt-free emotionally and guilt-free financially, having an intentional allocated amount of dollars is going to be make you feel so much better uh, in every way. And so what I mean by having intentional dollars allocated, that is, you know, once you've paid yourself first or, pay, you know, done your investment allocation, um, et cetera, all your different buckets that you are paying money into, you also have that bucket for yourself um, that is for your own guilt-free spending. And so within that little safe space, that's your zone to go out there and, and spend it on whatever you want. Uh, Because that is going to help reduce the feeling of restriction that so many of us believe comes with having a budget. And I like to talk about how I feel that's one of the biggest misconceptions of budgeting as a whole is that all it is is restrictive, but it doesn't need to be. And if we can give ourselves elements of freedom like this, 
again, contributes to the whole control thing and we feel so much better about budgeting overall. Yeah, and I created the Glen James Spending Plan to give savers permission to spend and spenders mm. a framework and some guide rails. And just touching on your word intentional, at some point you need to get intentional about your giving and generosity and not be just haphazard where it's like I see someone do a thing online and a GoFundMe and I flick $20. Can you get to the point where you are regularly giving on a monthly, quarterly or whatever basis that is to an organization or cause or charity that you know lines up with your values and what you believe? And I know it's tough out there, standard of living and cost of living and all that stuff, but I think it is really one of the signs that you're financially on track where you are thinking about those um, less fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. I think auditing where you give your money in any way is always going to be such a positive thing. And I did an episode uh, on My Millennial Money. Probably it's come out already, so we'll link it in the show notes if it has with Baptist World Age. And we spoke about ethical spending or ethical consumerism and making better decisions uh, with your spending. And so even if it's, it might not just be intentional spending when it comes to giving to charities and making sure that you feel good about that, but intentional spending with your dollars for yourself as well. Uh, And so then it's not only guilt-free financially, but guilt-free in a way that you're contributing to a much better version of consumerism with those dollars at the same time. Mm, yeah, I'm, um, I'm actually keen to listen to that one because I had a great chat with them last year. And yeah, we've just always got to be thinking once we kind of put our own oxygen mask on, can we assist others? My next point, number five, this is a real simple and basic one. Do you have week on week stress and are you losing sleep or are you worried about your financial situation? And that's really simple and simple to diagnose, can be slowly harder to manage or get out of. And a lot of it will come back to your job and your career. A lot of it will come back to an emergency fund. A lot of it will come back to having a spending plan in place. And let me ask you everyone, like when was the last time you felt stressed financially? I think it's okay to feel stress in every area of your life for a small period of time. But the thing is, is the stress constant and ongoing. And that's like very similar to everything. Sure, you might have a headache every now and again. If you've got a headache daily, that's potentially an issue that needs to get checked out. You might be in a bad mood. We all get in bad moods. But if it's happening regularly, we have to look at some uh, underlying issues. And it goes back to money. If you're stressed financially, if you're losing sleep, a big thing for me is sleep. If I'm not sleeping, something's not right. So if it's always happening, I reckon, and I hypothesize, even our first five points or four points each, start to nail some of these early points that should start to help with the stress. We definitely don't want the stress bleeding into physical conditions um, within your life, especially not sleep. I have not stopped talking about sleep since I read a book called Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. And after I read that book, I was like, right, it's eight hours every night, non-negotiable, which obviously would change if I my life situation changed or I had kids or something. But when I have the freedom and the ability to be able to get eight hours sleep a night, wow, am I going to do that? Because it's going to help and benefit me in every other area of my life. And we absolutely do not want you losing sleep uh, because of financial stress. And I think that that point is 
beyond important. I think for my fifth point mm-hmm. is it's on, along the same lines, but it's probably more external to this. So Glenn's point was around internally how we're we feeling. We don't want that week on week stress. My point is, do you feel safe and comfortable outside of yourself within your external world, having conversations about money, talking about money, thinking about money with other people? And of course, we all know money is a taboo topic. We struggle. A lot of people in our lives, a lot of people that you probably know struggle with talking about money, having open, vulnerable conversations about money. It can be a very sensitive topic and it can touch on, I think, a lot of insecurities and a level of shame for people, which can open up so many different layers that people might may not be ready to, to open up. And so it's really important that we have that awareness when we have conversations. But maybe just take note of how you feel when you're having those conversations. Has it changed over time? Do you feel more safe within your yourself within your circles to talk about how much you earn, how much you spent this week, what you spent your money on at all, uh, and all of those little things that typically might have a reaction. But for you not to worry about their, that reaction and to be, feel safe in those conversations, I think that's when you know that you've become quite comfortable and in control of your financial situation. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good point because how many times are we out there in the wild and people are making comments, throwing shade, all about this stuff, about money, or I can't believe you did that, or can you really afford that? So those type of, are you comfortable with having these nice conversations and also unapologetically robust conversations about money? Mm. And being able to, in response to those comments, shrug your shoulders, it's a whatever for you, but then respond empathetically to those people, understanding that they probably still carry a little bit of that shame and that insecurity and knowing that you're in a position and in a place in your financial journey when you, where you can actually help those people now. Mm-hmm, totally. Well, we'll take a quick break. Uh, then we'll come back. We'll do a community section of the week and read some of your responses. Then we'll finish the rest of our lists. Before we do go, I'll recap my first five and Sarah can recap hers. Number one, emergency fund. Number two, have your life and income insurances and estate plan in place. Number three, make sure your super is set up correctly. Number four, your job and career is on track or at least you're very clear. Number five, you've got no week on week financial stress. You're not losing sleep. What are your first five, Sarah? Number one for me is that you know what your priorities are and have clarity over your why. Number two is that you don't have a habit of using consumer debt. Number three is that you have a system that you almost don't have to think about. Number four is that you have intentional dollars allocated to guilt-free spending. And number five is that you feel safe and comfortable having conversations about money. Awesome. We'll be back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Okay, welcome back. Now it's time for the community segment of the week. And we asked the Facebook group, Tips for Dealing with Analysis Paralysis. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by Sky Wealth. We talked about it as my second point. You've got to make sure your life and your income insurance is set up, it's adequate, and it's ready to go if you can't go. All right? Sky.com.au forward slash MMM and you'll be able to have a 15-minute complimentary discussion and they'll point you in the right direction. Tips for dealing with analysis paralysis. Jonathan, it matters less which good decision you make as long as you know it's not a bad decision. Wow. That's good. I'm still just analyzing that one. It matters less which good decision you make as long as you know it's not a bad. Right. Okay. Hmm. So if you were like, oh, should I do this or this? And let's use an example. Should I invest in A200 or IOZ? Okay. Are either of them bad? No. Flip a coin. Hmm. Get on with your life. Like, this is mm. what we need to start doing. Such a great example for the funds one. Mm. Richard has said, I was a terrible overthinker, so I started to set myself a time frame to make a decision. And by doing so, I'm forced to gather information and synthesize it in a timely manner, which will force me to make a decision. I'm always realistic with the time frame I set and give myself more time based on the importance of the decision and the risk associated with it. It's worked well so far and I've achieved a lot more since implementing this strategy. Mm. Yes. Okay. I think that this is, this reminds me of university and how everyone always did everything right before the deadline. But the thing is having a deadline still helps you get the thing done at the end of the day. Yeah. Michaela, if it aligns with two or more of your personal values, it's probably a good idea. That's actually very good, that one. And I'm thinking if you're deciding whether to buy your first home out of the city and, you know, you got to commute or buy an apartment in town where you can walk to things, like what do you value and how does that align with your values? I have a question for you, Glenn. Mm-hmm. How many values should one person have? Because I'm thinking two out of five is pretty good. Two out of 50 yeah, I reckon you should be able to distill five, hmm. I would imagine. And if you need help, you know, going, oh, what are values? Like chapter one of the career book's got a million listed and you can maybe just go through that page and just maybe mark off ones that resonate with you. So you might pick 20 or you might get a highlighter, highlight 20, and then you might go, okay, of these 20, I need to choose five that are most aligned with me and just kind of like funnel it down. Mm, Yeah, I like that. Erin says, I think talking it out with a trusted person who has your best interests in mind and really knows you can help. I do feel bad for indecisive people considering every option. The only decision I've truly struggled with was naming my puppy, but it still only took a couple of hours. Mm, And her puppy is named Glenny J. Is it? No, 
Oh. <laughs> I was but like, well, wow, someone. Big fan. A few years ago, I think someone named their dog Glenny or something. After you. I think. <laughs> and I would listen. Like, I, just, I remember something like that. Anyway, I feel Love. sorry for the dog. <laughs> so thanks everyone for answering um, in the Facebook group. We'll bounce out of the community segment of the week into some housekeeping. All right, guys. Tuesday, the 12th of December. It's our last digital workshop of the year. We're talking all things refinance. So if you've got a mortgage, if you've got a home loan, if you've got an investment loan and you want to know about refinancing, topics will include reprice or refinance, which is best, using the equity in your home, renovation loans, how valuations differ and can affect borrowing and rates, preparing to borrow, what to do first and what to look for in a lender. This is run by Sphere Home Loans and Melanie Rose and Rachel Croon will spend an hour or so with you. There's a link in the show notes to register 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time or Sydney, Melbourne, whatever, Tuesday, the 12th of December. Second bit of housekeeping, if you do like written stuff, once a fortnight, we send out an email with an update. I'll write a letter of some stuff that I've been thinking about and it's a cool way to keep in touch as well. So there's a link in the show note to subscribe to our email list. All right, let's get into the second half of our points. Okay, my sixth point is I want you to be very clear and understand basic investment concepts. I need you to understand risk profile. So an aggressive risk profile might be with my superannuation, I've got 100% in international equities only. That's quite aggressive. Uh, where a more uh, growth, less aggressive portfolio might be 80% in Australian equities, international equities, some emerging markets, and 20% in bonds and fixed interest. So you just need to start to understand the risk profile. And when we're talking about understanding basic investment concepts, I need you to understand why we invest to keep uh, ahead of inflation and also understand diversification and maybe have some rules in your life that of my investment portfolio, no more than 10% is uh, dedicated to direct equities or no more than 2 to 5% is dedicated to speculative single stocks or 2 to 5% to crypto or Bitcoin or something like that. So really be sure if you're investing um baseline investing concepts and just be very clear on uh, your investing and get to learn more. And if you are interested, my book, Sort Your Money Out and Get Invested, uh, there's three chapters, five, six, and seven, all about investing and super and all that stuff. So I think that's a really important one that uh, if you're not there yet, you can start learning more. And the first thing to do, I always tell people, Sarah, call your superannuation fund and ask them to walk you through the account. And there'll be some good free little information that you can learn over the phone. Absolutely. Like rely on those people who can help you, who are there. Uh, and also to your point, diversification was so helpful. That was probably one of the first investing terms, if we're going to call it that, I learned. And it helps you understand so many ongoing concepts from that point. So even just like fully getting a grasp of what diversification means and why it's important, I think will help you just understand investing so much more. What have you got for number six? My number six is if you were set back financially, you would know how to get back on track. I've mm. experienced this recently. Uh, well, when mm. I say recently, it was like a year ago. Uh, Do but tell. It feels recent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I came back from traveling 
And I went traveling. I had a, yeah, it was a hectic situation before I went. Thought I was going over with a job, ended up that I wasn't. So thought I was going to have an income and didn't. Ended up relying on the money that I had at the time and then ended up steaming through my emergency fund as well. Naughty me. So I came back to New Zealand and I was very much at the, needed to set those foundations back up again. But I noticed something very different to previous times where I'd felt maybe a little bit flat financially or disempowered. Uh, this time, at least I felt like I knew what I was doing. So yes, I was coming back with less than what I'd had initially, but I felt confident that I would be able to build it up again and do it in a timely manner. Mm. Uh, and that was really, really, really empowering for me. And I think also represented how much growth I'd had both you know, personally and, and financially as well. So just having those first foundational steps that we've already talked about in this episode already to rely on when you are set back is, is going to help give you so much confidence. Yeah. And I think it's good that you've talked about like the confidence and knowing, you know, how to get back on track and what I was going to add to my, in my emergency fund thing that, and I may have talked about it, it's like a $1,000 emergency should not set you back months and months. Mm. You want to get to the stage in your financial life and given it could take a while for you to get there where $1,000 will not implode your financial house. So I hear you. You got to just know how would you get back on track. 100%. And what's your number seven? My number seven is you are investing for your future. So it's all well and good to have a, an emergency fund, to have a spending plan, to have some cash savings, to have your goal board or your mood board and your eat, pray, love <laughs> calendar and all this fun stuff. But when it comes down to it, are you investing for your future? Simple as that. You might be saving cash every month that doesn't have an allocation. Not good enough? Inflation is eating it. You've got to be investing for your future. That could be in property, could be in ETFs and shares. It could be you're building a business because we can get into a whole other thing about businesses being assets. Or it could be as simple as I'm salary sacrificing a little bit more every week, every month into my retirement savings. Are you investing for your future? Simple. Very simple. So simple, in fact, that I will move straight on to my number seven, which is that money is seen more as a resource than an evil spirit, question mark, I've put, because I think I didn't quite know how to phrase this, but I almost believe the people are going to know what I mean. There's like this feeling you have towards money, towards people with money, towards anything to do with money uh, in life that just changes when you start to feel a lot more in control and secure yourself. So you look at money as an opportunity, as a resource to do more or do something more aligned with who you are as a person rather than something restricting you, holding you back, constantly tearing you down. I just think it's a probably a mindset shift, but that occurs as a result of you putting in the practical steps uh, to feel more confident. When I saw that on your list, I was like, oh my gosh, Sarah has hacked into my Google documents and read chapter one <laughs> of my investing book. Because one of the parts that I'm working on here was finding your like money bedrock. And that comes down to what do you think money is? And I think I was like using the analogy 
Like if you gave $10,000 to one person, they could hire a hitman and knock someone else, right? With that $10,000. The other person, that's extreme. I don't think I even <laughs> wrote that. Just thinking on the fly. The other t- person, yeah, give that $10,000 to them and they might buy a single parent household months and months worth of food or fuel or and really help. The money is the same. It's the individual and the person of how they've used it. So money is completely a tool and we just need to get to this bedrock of what do we think about money? And I don't think money is inherently evil, um, but we know that evil people exist and do bad things. So, yeah, that's all I'll say on that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. And and also coming back to some of the other points we've said, because these things all link, right? Like I know we say it keeps coming back to different things we've said, but they all link to one another. And when you sort of have the understanding of one everything else makes sense. And and so for this one, it comes back to knowing what is an opportunity for you and what is resource to you. Because yes, someone could use that money in one way that everyone is saying is the best way in the world, but it might not match what you want for your life. So it's going to feel so much more like an opportunity and a resource when you have that understanding of what you want to do with it. (laughs) Mm. Uh, And so Glenn, what is your number eight? This is another simple one. Each year, is your net worth increasing? Simple. Are you building wealth? And it probably is maybe a bit of 0.7, but hey, I I wanted to kind of make it stand out for the people at the back. Is your net worth increasing each year? Now, one thing I used to do when I was, you know, starting out my career and my life, it would be a simple thing at the start of each year, I'd go, do I have more wealth than the start of last year? There were some years where I didn't <laughs> because it was just like wildness. But it's just the thing for me. And it's just more of a, another check that I am investing in my future, that I'm not consuming everything that I got. I'm not a locust going through a field, eating up and moving across the great plains of New South Wales. Your metaphors are just absolutely thriving today. They're next level. They really are. I'm loving it. And also just to reiterate quickly, simply on the net worth uh, conversation, what's the easiest way to work that out? I know you sort of said it, but just to clarify. So a net worth is you tally everything that you own and you take away everything that you owe. Mm. So if I had $100,000 of um, shares, if I had a $500,000 house, and a $400,000 mortgage, I could say, well, I've got 600000 of own less $400,000 of owe. My net worth is the net of those two, which is $200,000. Awesome. Yeah. And so that just needs to be increasing every year. Yeah. In a perfect world. <laughs> what have you got for number okay. eight? <laughs> so my number eight is a mental health chicken. And this is similarly coming back to priorities, but also just making sure that we know how important our health is uh, alongside our money. Our money is important. We need that resource to help us, but do we have our health there? And, you know, Glenn's touched on, we don't want that week on week stress. We don't want to be losing sleep. We don't want to be constantly 
mentally drained and exhausted and not in a position at all to be making any financial decisions or decisions about our future. Um, so we want to be in it. We want to be making those decisions from a place of abundance, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Let's bring in the manifestation chat that Glenn loves so much. But um, <laughs> just a place where you feel safe and comfortable within yourself internally. Uh, and that is going to come back so much to your mental health, your physical health as well. Like, are you in a place where money can really be, making those good, effective financial decisions can really be a priority for you? Totally. Could not agree more. And I've shared, you know, countless times that if you're not the best version of you, you can't be the best version of you. So if you're clinically depressed, you can't be the best version of you out there making career goals, making lots of money, you might for a while, but the wheels will fall off. So this is why it's so important that you brought that up, Sarah, that you know, you've know you got to make sure that your mental health is in check. And if you're in doubt, speak to your GP. It's a great conversation to have. Absolutely. Okay. My next point, number nine, and this is kind of almost the culmination of all of my points because 10 is a bit of a sidebar that we'll get to next. But if you're doing everything, other people's opinions do not alter your financial course. This is your life. This is your career. These are your goals. And guess what? This is my money. Shut your mouth. I'll do with it what I want. Unless I owe you lots of money, like the bank, they might have a bit of a say. If you owe someone 100 grand or 20 grand, probably can't be going on holidays. If you owe someone money, they could probably say, what the hell are you doing? You owe me money. I lent money to someone once. Next minute, they're at a poker game. I'm like, what are you doing? You owe me money. You're not bloody gambling. So if you are very clear of your life, you're very clear of your career, your direction, you've got short accounts, you don't owe anyone money, you are so confident that if someone says, why are you buying that apartment? You should buy a house out in the sticks. Shut your mouth. I want to buy the apartment because I want to live in the city. I don't want yard maintenance. This is my life. This is my chicken that I'm plucking. Piss off. You are so confident with what you're about. It's not funny. And rant. Preach. Preach it, Glenn. (laughs) Absolutely agree. Um, Yeah. The decision you make as a result of someone else's opinion and that decision going wrong and not working out feels so much worse than the one you made because you truly wanted to make it. Like I can't tell you how many times, maybe not now, but in the past in my life, I've made a final decision because of all the external influences that have told me that this is the right choice. And then when it's not, oh, all you want to do is go back to the moment when you could have made that decision and made it for you. Because at least Mm. at the end of the day, if the decision isn't right and you made that choice, well, you did the best you could with all the resources you had at the time. And that's, that's fine. That's something completely different to work through. But when you feel like there's almost this blame on someone else, oh, that's such an icky feeling. Uh, And Mm. so you want to be able to feel within yourself that all of those decisions you're making independently um, within reason, of course, it's nice to take other people's experiences uh, in account. But yeah, definitely at the end of the day, that final choice, you want to be 100% happy with it. And there's a difference between 
wise counsel from trusted people in your life and passing opinions from people who don't know you, they don't get you. And I'm just looking and I've just rewatched the webinar that Emily Wallace did about buying apartments, right? That's why I've used that analogy a couple of times. If you were like wanting to buy apartment as your first home and you've got well-meaning family members saying, don't do it, don't do it. You can be like, well, I've got my emergency fund. I've got my income insurance sorted. My superannuation set up. I'm happy with my job and my career. I've got no financial stress. I understand basic investing concepts. I understand this. I like, I get what we're about. I'm investing for my future by uh, owning a property and you know locking in uh, rent increases over the years because you know you don't get rent increases over the long term once you buy a home. You're just killing it. And this is all built on your strategy and it fits you. So well-meaning family members, sometimes they're well-meaning, but shut up. (laughs) And we'll leave it there. Moving Mm. on to my number nine. (laughs) (laughs) My number nine uh, comes somewhat back to Glenn's number seven, which was you're investing for your future. Mine is that you're investing consistently. I'm massive on consistency, mostly because I think that habits are where your true success lies. You know, when you have the why down, you have the priorities down, all you've got to do is make that thing a habit and investing, making it a thing in your life that just happens and is automatic, like we've spoken about. It's a part of your system. Uh, When you're investing for your future and you're doing that consistently in a way that means you're always contributing to your future. You actually have that, uh, again, control, but that confidence that you're going to be taken care of years in the future. So you're doing so much for yourself now just by having the system, but you're also doing so much for yourself in the future uh, by setting yourself up right. Mm, totally. And this is the whole thing. Small amounts consistently are probably better than ad hoc mounts ad hocly. <laughs> totally. <laughs> or- <laughs> Whatever England that is, um, because it's more so that's built on a system. And I'll give you an example. I add ad hoc amounts of cash into my uh, cash account on my investing platform, right? I might have a, a book royalty come in or some other income that is a little bit ad hoc. So the cash going in is ad hoc, right? But every Wednesday, there's an automatic trade placed out of that cash account. So the investing is consistent and that's the main thing. Mm. Investing mm. is consistent because if I didn't have that automatic thing set in line with my own personality, I would get what they call thirsty for the dopamine and want to chase returns and make it fun and do dumb things. And so it's all about I invest consistently into broad-based ETFs, and I'm investing for my future as well. Mm. My last point, it's kind of boring, uh, but it is relevant if you are a parent. Um, You're having age-appropriate conversations about money with your kids. Now, you're adults, you know how to do that. You're probably not saying to your 17-year-old, mommy's going to work today to get money to pay for food. Like, we're past that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you're not saying to a three-year-old, oh, I love the IVV ETF. I just think, you know, SP 500, it's just such a banging investment. Ugh. The MER, it's so good. It's like practically free. They pay us to invest. Am I right? 
It's age-appropriate conversations about money. That's all you need to do because a lot of us who listen to this show never had these conversations as children. So it's time that you change the family tree and you change the narrative. Get those habits into your kidlets. Mm, Love that. Pass on the habits. So important. Mm -hmm. My final one, my number 10, does sum up all of my points so far. And so what I've labeled this Wow, why didn't we just go to 10 to start with? Yeah. (laughs) Why? (laughs) This is the only one you need to listen to. Um, No, so number 10 I have labeled making active life decisions instead of passive, not living your life on autopilot, having regular check-ins. I'm massive on living life intentionally uh, within the parameters of, of what you can and the resources that you have. And I know, Glenn, you feel very much the same. Living life on your own terms is something you talk about quite often. And it's really important to be able to do that and to feel control over your financial situation. So, so much of what we've spoken about uh, comes underneath this umbrella where you are, you know, having that intentional guilt-free spending money. You're investing in a way that aligns with your personal situation. Uh, All of those things are done because they match and align with your values, who you are, your timelines, what you care about. It all revolves around you is basically what I'm saying. So yeah, knowing what you want and not living life on autopilot is going to allow you to make the best decision. I know so many of us put pressure on ourselves. What's the best choice? What do we do? Well, actually the answer already lies with you because if you Mm. know who you are and what you want, then the decision, all you need is the resources to make the decision and the decision becomes clear. So I think that having that focus on what you want and then making decisions as a result of that is going to be the key. Yeah. And I believe this is so important. And if you're like me and not heaps of a details guy, what I've resolved, I like these little titles for my life, right? So my investment strategy, live on less than I earn, be a generous giver, invest the rest. Like that's, that's what, that's my financial strategy. Another thing that I do and say is I've got one eye on today, one eye on the future. We need to enjoy the day. We need to embrace the day, but we also need to have one eye on the future. Another thing that I've kind of said to make this really simple for my own life is to do the Glen of tomorrow a favor today because we're all living in our future's past. Like, would you love to turn back the clock 10 years, Sarah, and make a change? Oh, absolutely. I'd be 15. Okay. I'd love yeah. to start investing from then. Absolutely. And I just realized how old I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> however, you are now living in the 35-year-old Sarah today. Mm. What can you do today that 35-year-old Sarah will thank you for? So true. Consistent habits. Going through the list, checking it twice, finding out if the list is naughty or nice. Let's recap your 10 points and I'll recap mine and then we'll call it a day. Okay. So from the top, 10 points from me. The first one, you know what your priorities are and have clarity over your why. The second one, you don't have a habit of using consumer debt. The third one is that you have a system that you almost don't have to think about. The fourth one is that you have intentional dollars allocated to guilt-free spending The fifth one is that you feel safe and comfortable having conversations about money. The sixth one is that if you were set back financially, you would know how to get back on track. The seventh one is that money is seen more as a resource than an evil spirit. The eighth one is a mental health check-in. 
Remember that your health is ultimately your wealth. Number nine is invest consistently. And number 10 is make active life decisions instead of passive life decisions. Glenn, what about yourself? So amazing. Number one, get an emergency fund. 1B, if a $1,000 emergency came in, it would not set you back months. Number two, get your life and income insurance in sorted. Please sort out your estate plan. Number three, run your eyes over your superannuation. Make sure it's set up correctly. Number four, your job and career. Make sure it's on track. At least you're very clear of where you want it to go. Number five, you've got no week-on-week stress in your life. Number six, understanding basic investment concepts, uh, including diversification, risk profile, all that stuff. Number seven, you are investing for your future, all right? You can only do that. You need to invest for your future. Number eight, each year your net worth is increasing. Number nine, other people's opinions do not bother you. You've got a goal, you're on track. And probably within this, Sarah, we have kind of, I'll finish by 10 and then I'll bring it home. Uh, number 10, you're having age-based uh, appropriate discussions uh, about you about money with your kids. But one thing that you need to probably also have as an underlying thing, like if you've got a spouse or partner, you've got to make sure they're on board with this stuff as well. Um, that should sure. be without saying, uh, but I just want to flag that, you know, if you are keen to invest for your future and your spouse or partner is loving the consumer debt train, I'm no Dr. Phil, but we could have a problem here. Not sure. You know, as the chronically single friend, I agree and <laughs> have no input. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You, you're getting um, relationship advice from two single people right now. So you enjoy that, people, all right? You enjoy it. Hey, uh, my name's Glenn James. You've been... Sarah. And Sarah's got a podcast, The One Up Project. You can have a listen to that. But she's kind of more ours now than her own. We want to steal her from her <laughs> own show. Uh, but you can find this list on our Instagram. We'll put a link in the show notes. And I might even see if the team can do a PDF printout as well if someone wants to save it. And I don't know, because I think it's, what is one thing that you want to change after listening to this today? We've just mentioned over 20 things. What's one thing that you can start working on? Not sure. Sarah, thank you so much. And we'll see you next time on My Millennial Money. Thanks, everyone. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 